HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Well, it's Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., and I'm in Bushwick, Brooklyn, so that means this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network. Every Monday afternoon, we talk about the intersection of food and technology and how things like apps and social media are affecting our culinary life. To listen live or on demand, click on to heritageradionetwork.org or get Tech Bytes to go and download the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Before we get started, I always like to introduce everyone in the studio so you can match the voices to the names. We always start with Jack Inslee, who is the engineer and Heritage Radio Network's executive producer and superstar DJ host of Full Service Radio on Thursday nights at 7.30 p.m. Damn, superstar this week. I like that. Well, it's because the sun's out and I'm feeling really happy and really great. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, serotonin (laughs) levels are, are nice and high. It's one of the first Mondays since we've been doing the show that it's not a blizzard and you're not shutting down the station after I leave. Totally. And I'm also going to introduce Declan, our studio intern, because Jack threw him into the mix a couple weeks ago. And he's probably very surprised. Hello there. Oh, very deep voice. Nice. Okay. Good radio voice, Declan. Thank you. We have two guests today that we're looking forward to talking to. The first is Mark Egerman. He's one of the co-founders of a nifty little app called Cover. Hi, Mark. Hello. Thanks for having me. And we also have Chris Lauber, who is the general manager of Aldea Restaurant. Thanks for having me. And they use Cover. So we have a product and a focus group of one. We start off every episode of Tech Bites like a great meal with a good appetizer, where we all talk about... Our favorite apps and apps we are currently using. So everyone has a couple minutes to think about what they're going to say. My app is the Flashlight app. 
And the name of the company that produces it is Apps from Outer Space. So you kind of have to love it just based on that. It was actually one of the very first apps to come out, and I think it was one of the first apps that I downloaded way back when I first got the iPhone. And it's really fun and it's practical. I've given it to small children to use to entertain themselves. But in today's tech bytes environment, I cannot tell you how many times I've taken my phone out, hit the flashlight app to light the dish or plate or cocktail for the other folks at the table so everyone can take a great photo to Instagram or tweet or use on Facebook. It's worth noting that there are different color lights you can select from. So if you're in a situation where you think you might need like a pinky kind of gel light for the food, it actually <laughs> has some great applications. So it's the flashlight app from Apps from Outer Space. It's free. And I think really the only thing missing from it is that it doesn't play the Parliament song flashlight when you turn it on. Because <laughs> I would love that. It's one of my favorite songs. So, Mark, you're the next up. What's your favorite app? And you cannot say cover. Oh, oh well, that's a shame. I think my favorite app these days is TimeHop. Uh, TimeHop is wonderful. It shows you what you've been doing in the past one year, two year, five year period on social media. So if you were Instagramming great dishes or you were checking in on Foursquare or if you were posting something on Twitter, it reminds you every morning what you were doing at this time. It's one of the best ways to remember sort of incredible events from the past. It, there aren't a lot of apps that focus backward facing right most pieces are sort of about instantaneous here and now and one of the reasons i like time hop is you know great meals are, are shared and savored in the moment but also become great memories right so you can open your app in the morning and say oh i checked into this restaurant a year ago you know what a great memory that was does it also help you remember things like people's birthdays and maybe the reason why you were at the restaurant and if you're Say happy birthday to people on all the different social media sites. Then does it become your yep. daily so if you, reminder? If you post it on somebody's <laughs> wall. It's a way for you to remember what you were doing at this time, you know, sort of nostalgically. Nostalgic social media. That's right. Okay. That's a good trend. <laughs> Chris? I think my, my favorite app right now outside of the food world is uh, probably Clear. Uh, Clear is one of those apps. It, it gives you a to-do list. You can swipe uh, swipe to the left if it's completed, swipe to the right if it's something you want to remove completely. Uh, you can drag them up and down and prioritize. Uh, and in one line, you can just keep hitting next and draw new new to-do items. So for someone, you know, if you're insanely busy, have a lot going on, it keeps it clear. You can actually see exactly what you need to do next and uh, focus on the details. So time management, yeah. super to-do list kind of app? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And Jack, what do you have for us today? I've got two ones. I'll make uh, the first one's quick. It's called Oyster Hour. Oh, <laughs> all, nice. all it does is tell you where and when there are oyster happy hours, uh, you know, close to where you are currently. <laughs> That's it. That's all the app does. What does it say right now? Where's the closest oyster happy hour to us? So the Narrows, which is like within crawling distance of here from 5 to 7 p.m., Dollar Oysters. Okay, so we only, nice. we only need to hang out here for another four. That's and we're right. ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one I want to talk about quickly is voice memos because um, for, for any of you aspiring podcasters or radio hosts, or for you, Jennifer, um, it's a great thing to use in a pinch if you're at an event or with somebody that has some fascinating stuff to say and you want to record it. Uh, it's a really incredible mic that comes on these iPhones, and you can do wonders with these voice memos in terms of uh, repurposing it for radio. The sound quality would be good enough. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not preferred, you know. I, a mobile recorder is going to sound better, but in a pinch, yeah, it sounds it sounds very usable. Okay. The next episode of Tech Bytes might be pre-recorded on my voice <laughs> memo. Uh-oh. I think I might be taking a Monday off. Open the can of worms here. Excellent. And Declan, do you have an app? Let's see what the kids are talking about. You're catching me off guard with this. Um, You've been back there for a while. You, you had to assume this was coming, especially <laughs> when Jack introduced you two weeks ago and we talked about and plugged your radio show. So now yes. it's time to pay the piper. All right. Um, well, one of my favorite uh, is a phone app as well as on computer is um, Dropbox. And, I, you know, it's a people know about it. But um, as an aspiring musician, and I'm friends with lots of musicians, it's a great way to communicate with people who want to collaborate with you and sending music to your friends. And it's just very, it's just a very, like, it's very good and it works very well. So that's, like, probably the best app I use. Yeah. All right, Dropbox, that's a good one. Thank you for participating today. <laughs> the focus of the show today is an app called Cover, and Mark is one of the co-founders, and it's been around for a few years. It basically allows you to pay your restaurant bill beforehand by creating an account, plugging in your credit card information, and then notifying the restaurant when you're there. The restaurant has to be participating in the program. And it's very interesting so I'm going to let him talk about what the aha moment was for creating it and how they did it and how it's going. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, I think you know there may be a series of aha moments, but generally started the first time I got out of an Uber. And this is something that I think many of us remember sort of in 2011, 2012, when you don't have to pay. Right? Years of taking taxis, just sort of you've been habituated into assuming that at the end you sort of you settle up and increasingly you could swipe cards here in New York, but not everywhere. And you're like, wait, that's it? And it was this sort of this incredible like, oh, my goodness, that's it. Right. And then thinking that, like, you know, this is something that was enjoyable. Uh, my co-founder had been waiting for a, a bill at a restaurant and thinking to himself, you know, I took an Uber to get here. I had that sort of effortless transaction. Wouldn't it be nice if I could just go? I've been sitting here for a few hours. Right? They know who I am. Right? Why does this have to sort of be sort of a very linear process at the end? And at the same time, we saw that Apple Pay and Google Wallet and PayPal and all of these other mobile payment systems are coming, and they weren't going to work in restaurants. That you're not going to tap your phone on the table or hand your phone to a waiter, and you're not going to have a tablet. I mean, you might. I mean, you know, some restaurants are putting tablets on tables, but no good restaurant wants to have like a tablet right there, broadcasting ads, distracting guests. And we wanted to build something that made sense for restaurants that had that similar feel. And that wasn't that, that was sort of designed for fine dining, right? That wasn't cheap, that wasn't tawdry, that wasn't at the end we all pull out our phones and we have a game to see who, you know, can can get the most angry bird points to like play. And, and that no one was building that. Uh, so I quit my job, I moved to New York from Washington DC, I slept on some couches, my co founder and I put this thing together at the end of twenty twelve. Uh, and and sort of it's it's been up and running ever since. Restaurants are notoriously low tech. And even though we have technology in the kitchen with cooking, with, you know, uh, immersion circulators and all kinds of fancy compounds and chemicals, on the front of the house side and the management side, they're notoriously low tech. And, and one of my favorite things to say is that they're at the tech level of a pencil on a cocktail napkin, many of them, <laughs> even in the fine dining environment. But, so but how this did... is crazy, right? It wasn't it always is. this way. <laughs> so the very first credit card came in fine dining restaurants here in Manhattan. 
right? It came from Diners Club. Before there were credit cards anywhere else, before you could use it at Woolworths or Sears, the first general purpose credit card, even OpenTable now, which we don't think of as the most high, t- I mean, it's not even in the cloud, right? Like OpenTable runs on Windows 98 machines. But it was one of the very first sort of SaaS solutions in the 90s, right? And, and by SaaS, what do you mean? You don't software mean Software as a service. Software right? as a service. So, so OpenTable actually was, it's hard to believe considering how bad they've been for so long. The reason it's this way is mostly because of monopolies, right? So there is a monopoly in the reservation space. And as a result, there's been no innovation for almost a generation of restaurateurs. But it wasn't always like that, right? Yes, restaurants do, you know, use a clipboard when they're doing, you know, anything from dealing with vendors for food or wait lists or any number of things. But they weren't always, you know, sort of the last to get new technology, Right. This is a relatively new thing. But yes, there is no doubt that right now, when I told my friends and family I was quitting a pretty good job to go sell payments to restaurants in a two-sided market, that we were doing this on you know difficult mode, right? That no, <laughs> no one thinks selling to restaurants is easy these days, nor is two-sided markets particularly like, you know, great. You need a lot of restaurants. You need a lot of customers. And payments historically have been very, very, very hard. I think the p- public at large, with all of you know the advent of all the services that you mentioned, combined with things like iTunes, text to donate, we're very used to and comfortable with the notion of paying for things on a smartphone, yeah. phone, or remotely or somewhere in the cloud. Restaurants are still, you know, cash only in some instances. So explain how you built a you know, smartphone app for people to pay in restaurants that you can use in restaurants that typically only take cash. Because that's sure. and in fact, about, fascinating. We work with itself. over half a dozen cash-only restaurants that are now cash and cover, right? And so I think there's two things there. I think you're right. The consumer expectations are evolving. And especially the more that people pay with Apple Pay, the more that they pay with these in-app purchases, the more comfortable people get. And also the more clumsy transactions become. Right? if you go to a hotel and they make you check out, where you actually have to go down to the front desk and review your bill, it, it, it feels wrong. You're just, you're like, no, no, I didn't, I didn't get anything from the mini bar. I can just go, right? And now we're just, we get sort of used to this. And so I think those instances where people are still required to settle up feel more and more obviously off. Um, as far as restaurants, I, you know, restaurants are cash only for a number of complicated reasons, but it's not necessarily what I thought it was before I entered this industry. One of the reasons why is they don't want a point of sale. Right, like we don't touch the point of sale, but point of sale is just completely broken. I mean, you talk about backwards technology, right? Whether it's any of the legacy systems like Micros or Aloha, or even the new iPad-based ones, nothing is good. So, I, if I were opening a restaurant, I, w- I would seriously consider just not having one. So but you have one because you need one, not because anyone enjoys it. For for people out there who don't necessarily know what POS is, I'll let. Chris, jump in a little bit. That means point of sale. And from a restaurant perspective, that means... I mean, essentially, it means that everything from an order standpoint, uh, anything, your server takes the order, they punch it in the point of sale, it goes to the kitchen, tells them what they're cooking, puts it on the check, check gets printed and presented to the guests, guests gives credit card, credit cards are swiped through the point of sale. It's it's the central hub of basically everything in the restaurant. It is the heart of operation. and, And I think that Mark nailed it when he said that there is no system that actually hits point of sale the way it should be so in a diner it's that uh carbon copied order taking pad (laughs) that they write the order on and they put one up on the wheel and spin it back to the kitchen and one goes to the that is an old school way of handling that none of the new technologies are very good at but even even if you have a point of sale credit card companies 
make it and the merchant acquirers who sell them to restaurants mm-hmm. make it nearly impossible to know what you're paying right there's a whole cottage industry in misleading small businesses what the actual costs of cards are and then the networks aren't doing themselves any you know favors there's probably 200 different price points for visa cards alone yep. that a restaurant can pay so you have no idea prospectively what your rates will be because this would be a visa international business card with a different rate than this visa american airlines co-branded signature card versus this debit card and so you have no predictive ability to know what it's going to be it changes month to month and then you get these forms that are just impossible to understand and sometimes the money just doesn't come sometimes it's been disputed sometimes it's suspicious and there's just so many reasons why restaurants have been losing ground and and and, and it's gotten worse and worse interchange rates have gone up and up so when we went into the space it is not as though the status quo was benefiting restaurants. No one we talked to loved the way that they took credit cards. No one thought that you know their system worked. It was the best that they could do. And a lot of people have actually put incredible thought into the end-of-meal service, right? Thinking about how they present the check, thinking about how they make the guest feel. Thinking this is- about those warm madeleines that they bring you fresh from the kitchen <laughs> and maybe a little bag of granola you get to take home for tomorrow morning. Right. Exactly. But even still, the core of hospitality is making a commercial transaction feel personal. I mean, you are exchanging money for goods and services when you walk into a fine dining restaurant, but it never feels like a Walmart. It feels like you're having something special happen, whether it's the plating or the decor, the staff training, or just the way the whole restaurant operates. And at the end of the meal, it's a very transactional, let's settle up moment. And there's all these other things that are broken. We thought, let's just try to fix this. It almost breaks the facade of the experience that you may have thinking, oh, I'm I'm actually at a great dinner party at, at somebody's great home, or I'm feeling so special, I feel like I'm at a private club or something just for me. And if you could just get up and walk out of the restaurant, it would keep that illusion intact. Yes, and, and this is how it once was also. And in fact, many restaurants have been doing this off the books for a long time with some of their better customers, right? My grandparents lived in New York, and before Diners Club, they either played with personal check or they often just had a tab. Right at the few restaurants that they went to, and they would settle up at the end of the month. They would walk in, they would know your name, they'd have a great meal, and say, yeah, stick it on my tab. Right, And you wouldn't have to settle up every time. And, and increasingly, we saw people who had memorized the credit card numbers, actually memorized 15 or 16 digits to type them in right, for their customers who came in every day. So that way they could have a cover-like experience. Not the safest, not, not the best way to do it, but people, people have gone to all incredible lengths just to dodge what we all agree is a broken system. So just because a system is broken doesn't mean it's easy to fix, right? But, this, <laughs> but identifying the problem is the first step, And also right? understanding how the many ways that restaurants have been short-circuited, right, by credit card processors, by merchant acquirers, by raising rates, and by the point of sales, just ultimately making a very smooth hospitality experience clunky at this very end. So this is a great point to take a quick break, I think, and listen to some great music that Jack is going to play for us and see who's sponsoring the show. This one's called Balloons by me, Jack Inslee. This is Tech Bites.
The International Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. Well, if you've just tuned in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from two shipping containers in Roberta's Pizza in Brooklyn. On Tech Bytes, we look at the influence of technology on our culinary life. And today, that means we are talking with Mark Agerman, who's one of the co-founders of Cover, which is a very interesting little app that lets you pay for your restaurant check virtually in the cloud and with your phone. And at the end of the at the end of the meal, you can just get up and walk out. So also joining us is Chris Lauber, who's the general manager of Aldea Restaurant, who is one of the restaurants that uses Cover. So if you're having a dinner at Aldea, you can do just that. So I would love to hear from Chris how you connected with Cover and how it became a part of your hospitality. So Cover for us was interesting because um, we, just like Mark said earlier, we were trying to find a, a simple solution uh, for paying the, paying the bill at the end of the meal and, and kind of negating that whole transactional experience that the guest has to deal with uh, after they've had this entire thought-through process of the food, the courses, the service. All of a sudden, saying you owe me money is not exactly the best <laughs> the best way to end a meal. So um, we ended up actually speaking to, uh, to Leiti, who is a friend of ours, and uh, she uh, was telling us that she was using Cover, and uh, we ended up having a conversation and, and saw the product a little closer, and I, I really connected with it and realized that this is something that could actually uh, create a new level of hospitality for us, um, for the people who do use it. So how has it... What is the process then for the restaurant to become... A part of cover because we're very familiar with the consumer facing side you go in you sign up you create an account right what does the restaurant do on the restaurant side it's pretty simple i mean we have an ipad um that we use on our back uh back point of sale system uh and and just to clarify it's not part of our point of sale um but it's a separate ipad and uh if a guest comes up to us and says i'd like to pay with cover we say absolutely um you know we'll make a note of that for you and and we continue with their dining experience and then uh, at the end of the meal, we look for that guest's name on the back of the iPad or even prior to that and just assign them to their table. So, that, you know, everyone on our service staff now knows that that person is paying with cover. And once that's finished and, and taken care of, uh, we just close the checkout to, out to cover. And it, and it kind of step-by-step step walks you through the entire transaction. Um, How has it been on the staff and service side for you? The staff and the service side is always, um, at the start, it's always interesting to kind of get everyone on, on pace with because uh, it's an additional step for us, but it's a step that's worthwhile. We, we love the idea that it's more simplistic for the guest, even if it adds a step for us. It really doesn't because we're still entering the same numbers that we're entering in the point of sale anyways. Um, so it just it's, it's literally just a couple of taps on our side and we close the checkout accordingly. Um, so even though it's a second interface, um, it, it gives a higher level of service. And how do you think the guests have responded or reacted to it? You know, the guests for us, um, many of them still do the traditional method. It depends on the clientele I'm finding. Uh, some of our older guests uh, still prefer to just get the check, get the credit card, um, 
and and go through the um, some of the guests. Some of the guests will just go through and say, you know, I want to pay with cover. Other guests are coming and saying, you know, I'd like the check. Uh, but for those who know that we accept cover, they tend to they tend to actually go right to it. So one of the interesting things about it, it about cover is that people can set a standard tip percentage. And I've always hypothesized that one of the things, particularly Americans and New Yorkers, like about being able to close out at the end is that they get to vote with their tip on how they felt about the meal and the service. So has that been a factor? Yes, no. I mean, Aldea is a, a, a wonderful Michelin-starred restaurant, so I wouldn't imagine that there are really ever many very service issues there to deal with. But so, so we actually have some real data. Um, about 97% of people never change their tip, right? People, wow. people think they change their tip. This is actually in line with what the Cornell Hospitality School had found. 97%? Nine, it's incredibly rare for people on cover to change their tip. They, most people have in their mind what they think a fair tip is. They get exceptional service. They often tip up if something's been comped. Mm-hmm. And if they get bad service, they will occasionally tip down. But the vast majority of people go in, they have good service, they leave what they normally start with. I don't have numbers for Aldea, but I can just tell you, people think they change their tip more than they do. In in the absence of a a truly horrible experience, most people, you know, unless somebody spilled hot coffee on your lap, I think most people actually just leave what they think is a fair tip all the time. And and for us, we actually found that the majority of our guests... um, almost by default are in the 21% range even. So, I mean, you get this concept of, you know, leaving 20% tip for, for good service. But, you know, I, I found it interesting that, especially in the first few emails that I got from Cover, uh, talking about the, the roundup at the end of the night, uh, that the average tip was actually higher um, than when they were dining in the restaurant. And, you know, that can be attributed to many things, but ultimately I think that it's that clientele who wants a different level of service um, who are, are willing to kind of commit to saying, yes, you're doing a little bit more um, to, to enter this order, but, you know, it's, it's, it's better, actually, for everyone. How many restaurants are utilizing cover now? So here in New York, we have about 155 uh, and about a little over 200 uh, across New York and San Francisco where we're live and we're bringing on Los Angeles later this month. And you also have Salt Lake City, which we, I thought was a little bit of a funny blip. We do have Salt Lake City. Um, so our first investor from our seed round lives in Salt Lake City, and he kept saying, look, I go to the same place every morning for breakfast. Why can't I just use it? So he said, fine, just, just use it. And actually, we've had a great engagement in Salt Lake City. I think people are really thrilled. We're only in a few restaurants there, but you know, for us, it was just sort of that he kept you know, saying, I'll do it, I'll do it. He said, fine, just do it. Just, you do it. You set them up, you go live. And it's actually been great. We really enjoy working with Salt Lake. What has been the greatest challenge for Cover in terms of signing up restaurants? So, so over time, it's gotten a lot easier. When we have so many great restaurants that we work with now, we think of this as sort of tailwinds when we launch a new market. We can point to the list of restaurants in New York, and almost certainly it's someone's favorite restaurant will be on that list. Right? So that has certainly made our life easier but at the same time, there's a lot of options out there, and it's just one additional thing, right? And I think this was true even when we started, that we live in a post-Groupon era. A lot of restaurants have been burned by startups or people who come in and they make a lot of promises, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and then they never deliver, right? And so we had to train our sales team to, to sort of under-promise and over-deliver. That's very important to us as a culture, but also to understand that we are just one player 
in a spectrum here, right? And that we do one thing, we focus on that one thing. And if we keep doing that well, we'll continue to have a business. Chris, at Aldea, I've noticed that you use a lot of the different online services and apps like Cover and Resi and Soch. So tell us how your decision-making process works yeah, as I mean, to what, what you use, what you don't use. Well, for me, it's all about um, understanding the complexity of the brands. Um, for me, there are so many of these, um, and I won't name any names, but there are so many of these kind of small startups that come through the front door and they immediately, I need to speak to a manager, I need to speak to a manager. And, and we're so busy that, you know, as much as we want to spend time and, and really see if this is a service we can work with, it's hard. We don't really have the time to. And um, for for me, you know, there, there are these apps that come through that when they say, you know, save you money or make you money or something in that related, I unfortunately tune them out because oftentimes those promises really can't be delivered on. Um, and they really only get my attention when they say, you know, service or hospitality or something related to the actual patron that is coming with me for that experience. They're coming to dine with us for that experience. And if I can have a startup change that or influence it or even enhance it in a way that makes it better for everyone, then, then I'm interested. Um, you know, we were, we were approached by, uh, Soch and we loved him and I think Rishi is a great guy. And, um, we started having a conversation and realized that they, are also based around the same idea of technology influencing hospitality. And it, it was a great connection. You know, Resi, same thing. Um, you know, the whole idea for us is just making it easy for people in two clicks to get a table, not having to go online, log on to open table, uh, anything specific there. And, you know, there are some restaurants who charge for their tables. There are some who don't. It depends uh, each all the way around. Um, but specifically with Cover, I think that um, it's great for guests to just come in. And there are other apps like it, like Reserve, who you – you know, you make a reservation, the whole nine. But when when we see the kind of overall picture of where technology is, uh, a lot of the startups that are starting are based around reservations, paying, and uh, kind of enhancing the experience in between as well. Given today, consumers spends so much of their time online with a smartphone and increasingly is used to being able to engage and transact all of their life digitally it's not a surprise that restaurants ultimately have to get involved at some point or likely will not be the ones that are patronized as frequently just because if you do everything with your phone the things you can't do with your phone you're probably not going to do as much yeah and it's interesting right that i I am personally i guess a little old-fashioned i don't like to see phones on the dinner table right like i actually think they belong in your pocket or your purse while you're eating and we designed cover so you don't check out you just when you're done you're done but we can't stop people from instagramming their food or tweeting or texting <laughs> we could just decide not to be part of the problem and i think restaurants are actually much like I, I said this at the beginning i think restaurants as individuals are very tech savvy right these are all people who often are running their own social media campaigns Everyone has a phone, whether it's an iPhone or an Android, with high-quality apps, and then they go to work, and they're stuck with these old-fashioned interfaces, and they're stuck with these broken tools, and they're excited to see a way to elevate the great service they're already providing to their guests. I mean, we're modest about the role we play here. We don't cook the food. We don't plate the food. We don't do any of the hard work here. But we like to think that we help restaurants provide even better service. Right, and, and so long as we understand that role and, and that we're modest in the context of what we do, I think that there's a chance to partner with great restaurants, and we've been thrilled with what we're seeing so far. At the 
Well, I'd be curious to see how, how it expands, and I would imagine that it can only get bigger and better, especially as people become more and more comfortable using their credit cards and all these different forms of digital payments. One thing that I, I'll ask you, and I like to ask everyone at the end of the show for a little piece of advice for our listeners, you come from a, a very financial background, and you talked about leaving a job earlier. You had a big financial job with the feds, didn't you, before? That's right. I'm actually a former <laughs> federal regulator. He's a regulator. So I would ask you, what's, what advice do you have for people um, about being safe when they're transacting online and in apps and, and in the digital space? There's so many things now, and it's so easy. You know, I just got the call from American Express a, a few days ago saying, did you just make a big charge in Boulder? And I said, no, <laughs> I'm in Brooklyn. So yeah. with, with the ease of use, there's also this big kind of scary opportunity for things to slip through your fingers. Oh, no, absolutely. And that's something actually we take very, very seriously. We think tr sort of consumer trust is extremely hard to earn and very easy to lose. Right. And so obviously it's hard when you're sitting there looking in the app store to know, wait, who built this thing? Right. It looks good, but can I trust it? And I think there are, there are very few best practices. There are some red flags. Generally, if it's too good to be true, it is. And I think what's important for both consumers and for restaurants to understand is to understand how this company actually works. Is this a company that could actually be a real business? Is, does this look like another successful company? Or are they one day going to start charging me $5 a month without telling me? Or are they going to start, right. you know, sort of adding on the fees here or there? And, 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 you know, Chris said this, like, every day it feels like a new startup enters the space with a great idea. And, and many of them are great ideas. But are these the people who are going to build it? Are they going to keep my data safe? Are they going to have enough of a, a sort of a base to actually stay in business? Or all of a sudden, are they going to pivot into something a little sketchier? That's just very hard. I don't, I don't think there, there's an easy solution to that other than being vigilant, and hopefully your bank is too. It's nice that they actually call you. Right? I remember when, when that was the exception, not the norm. Right. right. So there's no good housekeeping seal of approval for apps that you can look for in the financial space? Not yet. Certified nope. by... Nope, not even the bet, the Better Business Bureau. Nobody, things are moving too fast. Okay, well, maybe maybe somebody needs to start up some third party. Yeah, and, and actually, I will group. say this: you know, Apple has done a very good job with Apple Pay, right? You don't even have to give your card to apps anymore. You can just put your thumb. And I hope to see more and more security, so that even if there is a breach somewhere, like happened to Target, it happens all the time. Hopefully, fewer and fewer consumers will be affected. Okay, so. Advice to people is just try and yeah. stay, do your best. Stay smart. Stay and, alert. And, yep. Yep. And, read and, the fine print. Yeah. Ask your friends who they trust. If your friends don't, if your friends are all using something like Venmo, it's probably a safe bet. If everyone says I, I don't know about that one, you know, it's might worth a, a right. second Google. And for Chris, the restaurant host, what is your advice to people for getting those? so precious, so desirable reservations and the best experience once you get to the restaurant? I mean, for us, it's all about um, facilitating the reservation, really. Um, you know, it could be a variety of apps that we're using. Um, f it never hurts, honestly, to pick up the phone and call in because uh, you and never know. And talk to a live person Yeah, I mean, you'll, yourself? You'll, get, you'll get a long ways with it. But if, if you're not going to, if you're going to rely on just seeing it, if it's available, yes or no, on an app, That'll get, you, that'll get you a very singular cut-and-dry answer. If you're working with more of a concierge-style service, um, you know, something related to, like, reserve or social, there's going to be more dialogue that they'll do on your behalf to make sure you get that reservation. Um, but honestly, it, it also comes into 
you know, to get the best experience, things like allergies even that we take for granted. Uh, there are so many people who are actually allergic. And then there are a lot of people who think that they're allergic. We take e both equally as serious. Um, and telling us in advance is the best possible way. Um, there, I mean, there are so many things. And if you, whether it be your lifestyle concierge booking for you, uh, telling us, you know, wife's name is this, they're allergic to this, child's name is this, you know, loves that. Uh, or whether it be you making a reservation for your 20th anniversary, um, you know, the more details we get in, in whatever the method, technology, over the phone, whatever, um, the better. What percentage of reservations do you take over the phone? Do you know? <laughs> I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's remarkably low compared to, uh, compared to prior years. Um, it's about 15%. 15%. Yeah. Amazing. So somebody's doing a good job. And that... On that note, pick up the phone, call somebody, have a conversation, listen to radio <laughs> with people actually talking. Listen to Tech Bites every Monday at 1 p.m. on the heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Jennifer Leitze, your host, and I want to thank Mark Egerman and Chris Lauber for being guests today. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 